0: Welcome, everybody, to sliding into my DMs with um, all of my favorite DMs. We've got Preston, (laughs) Corey, and Mr. Rogers. Thanks for being here, guys, as always. Appreciate having you. Um, So, you guys have a good week? Everything going well? Still trapped in your dungeons? That brawl (laughs) fight has just like yeah that's raising
1: raising children it never (laughs) stops
0: or is that just week two of the brawl fight it's a new (laughs) brawl fight it's just it it breaks out about this time every day yeah -hmm. Yeah, i'll find a new one for next week yeah um all right so let's just jump in i've got as usual two two questions A, a quick one and then a longer more philosophical um one so for the quick ruling question, it's about twin spell. I don't know if you guys saw the um, the episode that I did this week about the the sorcerer with the with the magic touch. But but as I was looking over meta magic options for sorcerers, and I was looking at twin spell, I just had a quick question. I had one person ask me about this, as all, and and I kind of had the same question. wasn't one hundred percent sure on the answer, so I figured I'd throw it to you guys. Um, on twin spell could i twin shocking grasp um the shocking grasp grasp spell with twin spell um and and what limitations might might there be on that so really quickly just for a reminder for you guys in case you needed it and for the listeners the the text for twin spell says when you cast a spell that targets only one creature and doesn't have a range of self you can spend a number of sorcery points equal to the spell's level or one in case of a cantrip, which Shocking Grasp is, um, to target a second creature in range with the same spell. So they've got to be in same range, right? To be eligible, a spell must be incapable of targeting more than one creature at the spell's current level. For example, Magic Missile and Scorching Ray aren't eligible, but Ray of Frost and Chromatic Orb are. And then here's the text for Shocking Grasp. Lightning springs from your hand to deliver a shock to a creature you try to touch. Make a melee spell attack against the target. You have advantage on the attack roll if the target is wearing armor made of metal. On a hit, the target takes one D8 lightning damage and it can't take reactions until the start of its next turn. So, so what's the range? It's touch. The range is touch.
1: So would that be considered self?
2: Mm,
0: I touch mean, would
3: be within five feet because yep. it's a touch. A touch spell is a melee spell, so. Right. If your touch so, is bugbear and you have like ten feet, then, then, then you have a ten, 10
0: foot feet. range, yeah. right? Exactly. And okay. I actually I actually mentioned that as a as a as a potential... I know, I watched your I
1: watched
2: hey, your video. I'm so happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so so it's melee range, right? So not self. Um, you okay. have to make a melee spell attack, you you target one creature. Could I twin that and potentially target two creatures, and if so, under what circumstance?
1: It's a yes if they were in range. Yep.
0: Yep. So. If
3: they're in range, absolutely. Um, the only thing that I would say there is, it's up to your DM how they want to deal with you rolling the attack. I know personally, as a as a DM, I have uh, certain attacks that are kind of AOE blasts. Uh, get you roll once, once for damage, once for the attack, and everybody else has to hit that baseline or not. Um, but as far as spells like Scorching Ray or a twin spell in this case, uh, I would have you roll two attack rolls. Okay. I would have you roll an attack roll against each because you basically are thrusting hands out on two people trying to target okay. them both. If I were to have you roll only one attack roll, I would have you roll against the higher AC. Ah, okay. I agree
0: with that. Yeah. yeah what do you think, good. Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was my my question really was uh, about what you were just addressing, Corey. I, I'm assuming that as long as they're in melee range. I could I could twin it and hit both of them, but I was kind of wondering, do I just make the single attack roll? And as long as yeah. I hit the first guy, I can twin it and it sort of like arcs and hits the second guy, or do I also have to make a melee spell attack against the second right. guy? Yeah. Raw, I think Corey... Raw would be have would have you roll to attack rolls. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, and Corey hit it on the head because I that if he if he hadn't made that that qualification of if there's someone with a higher AC, that's to me where it comes into Gets a little fuzzy is because you have two distinct characters that have two distinct ACs and two distinct like reactions, ability to react. One could be slower, one could be, could be faster. Mm-hmm. So I
3: would like look, to yeah. shock and grasp the kobold and the big <laughs> and bad the evil guy up yeah. there yeah. as hey, well. The, the, the big bad's <laughs> exactly. probably
0: wearing metal armor, so I would have got advantage on him. So maybe yeah. that would have been the better. And he's, the, and he's better standing option. in water. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, now for the, the main event. Gloves are coming and off. I, I, have a, I have a bad feeling that that, that, <laughs> that this might gloves, go a little sorry. long today. So be warned for those listening. Um, the, these DMs episodes, I've trying, been trying to keep them to about 30 minutes. This might go long because we're going to be talking about mounted combat. Now, to set it up, I've had more requests um, from my YouTube viewers, at least, uh, to do a mounted combat build than by far over any other build request that i've had um it's almost always a the request is i want to be a small creature i want to mount my i want to be a like a beast master or uh or a, an artificer um battlesmith and ride my pet into battle um and use dual wield, dual wielding lances. that's almost always the request. and you know, so make make a build like that. And sometimes it'll be more for a, a tanky um, cavalier build paladin you know with fine steed or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I get a lot of them. And the main reason why I've hesitated is because every time I look at the mounted combat rules in DD, I, I just, My head kind of explodes. Not not because the rules are written so confusingly, but there are so many questions that I think go unanswered, right? And so, I know that I need to I need to to sort of you know brushing up my my mounted combat skills before I before I you know venture to do uh, a build along these lines. And I'm I don't know if it's going to be next week. For everybody watching, I'm not saying I don't know, but it'll it'll should be coming soon-ish. Um, and so so I want to talk about Mount of Combat. So before I ask my slew of questions <laughs> um, and we start fighting about them, l- let me just let me just again kind of lay down the rules as written, right? As far as you know, what what we've been given from Wizards of the Coast pertaining to Mount of Combat. And, and, and there's not a lot, as I'm sure you guys know. First of all, we're told that um, a creature that you attempt to mount, no innuendos, please, <laughs> must be a well, number I'm of out. things. <laughs> <laughs> they must be willing, first and foremost, and that is always the case for anyone that you try to mount. sensual
2: mounting. First of <laughs> yep. all, and foremost, willing. Consent
0: is important. Consent is important. Uh, they must be one size larger than you and <laughs> they IRL must 12. and they must have and they must have an appropriate anatomy okay yes you guys are i shouldn't have said that that's, that's a very that's a very bad way to say is, that okay anyway <laughs> they got out of control it did <laughs> okay an appropriate anatomy right mm-hmm. um so so th- th- that's that's what they have to be in order to be a mount once they mounted
3: Sorry. Yes. Quick interruption. I would like to add a caveat to that. Okay. For
0: anybody who ever plays
3: in my group. If you have proper equipment or apparatus that you can use to mount a creature that normally does not have the proper anatomy. anatomy. I would allow that. So for example, okay. a goblin on a half orc or you know, you know, something like that where it's like you specifically make the harness so that you can sure. climb on the back of it and everything. Because sure. I mean, the image of an ogre with like twelve goblins on its back because it's got a cool tower structure on it is just too cool to pass up. So <laughs> feel free. Like that's my
0: caveat for when I okay. when I run my games. That that's good to know because I actually I do see people a lot of times say, Yeah, beastmaster, and I'm gonna have like a flying snake, a giant flying snake or whatever. And I'm like, appropriate anatomy? Like, I mean, I guess if you built like a special saddle for a snake, that might be hard to get it to stay on, but I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're riding it just, just behind the head and
3: above the wings, sort of dragon-like, you know, there it you depends go. on how big the serpent is. Like that's gotta and be how actually the a pretty flies, big body yeah. and how it flies. Yeah, like sure. if, it's, if it's undulating and flying, it's gonna look really yeah. weird. And this comes from that's somebody who awful. plays plenty of WoW and sees plenty of serpent mounts and they
0: just look <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely <laughs> terrible yeah
1: <laughs> okay, the wings flapping versus the the dragon Ball Z <laughs> infinity dragon flying. Yeah. yeah
0: So okay so so that those are the rules for for what can qualify as a mount and then and then as far as once you are mounted, once mounted, we're told we have two options essentially. Um, we can either control the mount, which is one set of rules. Uh, Or we can let the mount act independently if it's intelligent enough, and that's a second set of rules, right? Mm -hmm. So for the controlled mount, you can only control it if they've been trained. Um, Their initiative matches yours, and it can only dash, disengage, and dodge. Those are the only things it can do um, at your behest, right? Because you're controlling it. So um, it, it basically, increases your move speed and move options for all intents and purposes, right? If you're using this in combat, you're on your horse, whatever, and you're controlling it, it's going, you're going to have the, you know, you could, you could move much further because horses have greater move speed than most most humanoids, right, and even dash with it, and then you get to do your things, right, make an attack, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you can use it to disengage, disengage that turn, which get away. you're
3: able to run off and right. and come around for another pass, kind
0: of so thing. So you charge in with your lance, you spear your enemy, disengage, and and run away without taking an opportunity attack, something like that. Yep. Um, okay, so that's controlled mounts. Intelligent mounts, on the other hand, um, they, th- if if they are intelligent, we're told they essentially automatically act independently, right? Um, they have their own initiative um, that that is not necessarily the same as yours. Um, it moves and acts as it wishes, including making attacks or even running away, right? So if you are if you are mounted on a creature, um, and you let it act independently, assuming that it's intelligent or whatever. Um, then you can't control it. It might go where you want it to, or it might not go where you want it to, right? Right. And 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 now it might run into battle and make attacks, thereby giving you some extra, you know, damage per round to your party, um, or it might decide that it's going to hightail it out of there, and you happen to be on its back, and now you're in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, that and and that's pretty much all we get. That's rules as written. Um, there are a lot of, you know, I, I have read a lot of, well, and even watched interviews with Jeremy Crawford, uh, um, where he talks about mounted combat and says, you know, if it were me, this is what I would do. And he, and he tries to sort of give some advice, but that's, that's what we have rules as written, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I have a bunch of questions. Sorry, that was a long preamble. Um, first of all, where would your character sit Okay, assuming we're using a grid and we're using miniatures, right, Um, as I think most people that play D&D do, I I could be wrong.
3: It's about 50-50.
0: Okay. Um, But anyway, assuming a grid, assuming miniatures, a warhorse is a large creature. Assuming that that my mount is a large creature or bigger, I guess, where is my character in relation to to that mount, right? A, a, a large creature as most know on a grid is, a, is like a two square by two square square, <laughs> right? And so is my creature sort of in the middle of that or what do you guys think?
3: I think the mount replaces your character for all intents and purposes. Okay. I think, oh, I think I you like being that. mounted means that you are in the middle of the mount square which is you know bigger so you are connected to basically all four of those squares and you are considered to be a targetable in all four of those squares right and the mount is also targetable
1: for a dm's note if
3: you if you want to i mean if you want to be an a-hole and kill a horse (laughs) you know like you can
2: pushes you down on the villain list That's right. yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can get John Wick after you if you accidentally kill somebody's <laughs> ranger dog
0: what do you think uh, Preston
1: uh, yeah, I, I, along those same lines, the, the way I kind of think about it to, to kind of go a little bit, take what uh, Corey said and take it a little bit further is when I, when you're a, as a character, you don't occupy a full five feet space in all directions. Sure. Right? And I'm so not it's five
0: feet wide, even though it's I the reach. A yeah.
1: It's the reach of your base. It it's the reach of your, your dagger. <laughs> it's, you know, like, or if, or if you have a, an actual weapon with reach, like if you're using a glaive or, or a pike or something, um once you're on that horse, that horse becomes an implement of what attack you're trying to do. So if you're attacking, I would in for flavor, I mean, if you're running up to him and you're trying to slash at him, you know, you're, you're basically one hand reining the horse and slicing down at the, the head of the enemy. That's, you know, down below and things. So for, uh, for as far as like placement and stuff, I would consider the the character or the animal itself that you're mounting, whatever their size is, you're both targetable within that. Okay. Thing. So as so, if like an ogre swings and your your body, like let's say we were trying to place you and you're in the middle and it was further away, uh, it would just get really hairy trying to figure out. Okay. Right. Well, he hits the horse, but can you take damage? You. Like, yeah. You or, I would just say yeah.
0: I like that. What do you What do you think, Mr. Yeah. Rogers?
2: Well, I like what Corey said, but I had come up with a different answer before I heard that. And so I might change my mind on it later, but what I, what I originally thought was if you're a two by two, um, I think rules is written, as long as you're halfway in a space, you're considered targetable in that space. Okay. So I would say you're halfway between two spaces and you decide if you're kind of sitting closer to the front of the horse or sitting closer to the back of the horse. And then that's, that's that. Um, but I, I think I actually like Court is yeah. ruling a little bit better. I, 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 I like that. Easy as a DM, right? Yeah.
3: It, 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 it That's what I'm all think. about is being it, making it as easy as possible for myself. You are you are easy. <laughs> Never Corey. mind. I will say that it's true. Um, you um, don't need consent to mount <laughs> me. I'm just that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say anything.
1: Oh.
0: No.
3: <laughs> uh, do we need to cut that? Can we no, just like no, move on?
0: <laughs> no cons. Um, we're live. So, okay, no, I, I really like that actually, because so yeah. Jeremy Crawford, his advice was if it's a, if it's a two by two square, you choose which of the squares your, your little medium-sized character inhabits. And that's weird, right? Like, what yeah, am I writing on? What are you on like ear? the leg. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just weird. And, because and it also is
1: going to be in a specific place every time, like, unless you're doing it, like whatever, without a saddle or something. And then that case, I'd say whatever you're doing, you'd be a disadvantage because you can't like, right. There's only so much you can kind of hold on to on a horse
0: well and it solves the issue of you know let's say you're 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 using a a long sword right on the on the middle of that horse um if you're right in the middle of that f- two by two grid then there becomes questions of okay, well, if my horse is standing right next to somebody, can I attack them, right? Unless I'm a bugbear. I think Mr. Rogers, your 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 idea kind of addresses that a little bit. As long as you know, you could consider, well, I'm half in this square and they're reachable still. Mm-hmm. But um, I think yeah, I think it simplifies things uh, to to just say, look, when you're on your mount, you you essentially your model in the grid is replaced by the mount and therefore if the mount is standing next to somebody (laughs) you are you know within melee range of them even if you don't have reach
3: i completely understand the other way if you don't want your players to be able to have basically what is essentially a doubled uh reach you know reach but at the same time like it's the whole argument of target rich environment, but then you're also surrounded by even more enemies, and they can right. all yeah. attack you. Right. So it's a it's a trade off that I think is is fair enough, and it kind of makes mounted combat a little bit more enticing because sure. at, so mm-hmm. far as mounted combat goes, like if you think about it, just with the controlled mount, it's just I can move more. Great kind of thing it's not really as exciting as all that but adding that in that extra little like oh but i can also attack things that are a little bit farther away away, you Mm -hmm. know then that makes it a little bit
1: better and kind of taking that rules is written a little bit further when you think about mounts like let's say you're for whatever reason you've convinced a ancient dragon to let you ride on its back it's a lot bigger than a horse you can't like how do, how do you handle attacks there i mean right
0: what if the creature is ancient dragon yeah you know what i mean like right in this claw
1: <laughs> holding onto one little spike and i'm on the back swinging a uh, you know i can't
3: reach anything Run so then...
2: down its tail yeah. and attack with your sword mm-hmm. and then run back up
0: and yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Cause, I, cause I the guess... whole
3: idea is that you know your character doesn't walk up and then just stand still. They're always constantly moving within that five foot square. You're holding on to and... the pommel, you're leaning, your horse is, yeah. you know, moving side to side, your wolf is kind of pouncing forward a little bit or backing up. You know, you're always in motion. And that's that's yeah. one thing that people don't uh that people don't connect really well with uh, using miniatures is because because the figure moves and then stops, they don't realize that it's not a matter of it's like fluid, each cobalt so. takes Takes their time to go individually. It's right. like no, the kobolds one, one, are thousand, rushing you all. thousand, three, one thousand, 5000
0: yeah, exactly. like, five, <laughs> 6, exactly. My turn. <laughs> and
3: then and then, and then they stop thirty feet away from you, and they're yeah. like, "Well, I'll see you next turn, I guess." You know, kind yeah. of thing. It's just like no, it's a constant yeah. kind of like ebb and flow of sure. combat.
0: Sure. Yeah. All right, that was question number one. Um, we've got six. <laughs> so number two, and I'm sure there will branch and diverge. So, excuse me, what constitutes an intelligent creature? Because we're told that um, an intelligent creature will always act independently, right? And for that matter, it seems a non-intelligent creature can not act independently, even if you wanted it to, or, or I guess, well, anyway, it might not do what you want. Regardless, What constitutes an intelligent creature? The book doesn't specify, really. It doesn't say, like, if its intelligence is six or more, or if it can speak at least one language, you know, it's sort of left up. The ability uh, to speak does not make you intelligent. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, So so how would you rule, um, you know, what constitutes an intelligent creature?
1: Uh, I think I liked some of the stuff I've heard uh, Mr. Rogers say before. If he wants to.
0: Sure. Take I, I was,
2: I was going to say, uh, speaking, I mean, we just kind of debunked that a little bit, but speaking, um, being sentient, um, maybe like that mental or the, uh, ability to communicate via telepathic means, um, that would mean that you're intelligent. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the benchmarks having a name, that people refer to you as and so that just my correspond like. to exactly mm-hmm. yeah, yeah
1: well, and i think also uh, taking it further is the the does the you know does it have a name does it how is it treated is it treated as okay mm-hmm. i get on the horse and i ride it or is this like okay this horse every morning i go down and i'm you know feeding it an apple and i'm teaching it how to prance i'm teaching it how to you know like what kind of what level of engagement is it and um like what it, what was its upbringing if it's a war horse versus you know some farmer's donkey their Mm. reactions you know one i still think they would be it could be intelligent but in the same it might not have the same decision making skills between one that has battle experience versus one that does not or one that was magically summoned
3: i have a i have a very different opinion on this in my opinion a beast or animal that is intelligent is one that the dm or the player puts more characterization into than a normal animal Okay. So yeah. if it's if it's a normal wolf that you come up against and they snarl and attack you because you're in you're in their territory, that's an animal. However, if you're a ranger and you have a wolf and you you chat with the wolf all the time and the, the DM describes it wagging its tail as it listens to your story or or barking and agreeing along with you, that becomes a more intelligent animal in my opinion. So something like a I, I think the biggest again going back to the biggest thing here is a beastmaster's uh, mount. Right. Is it intelligent enough that it can operate on its own? I think the answer is yes. Okay. I honestly do because I think that that ranger has had such a close connection and has trained this animal so much that they are intelligent enough to know how to fight in combat without their master's uh, input, okay. as it were.
1: Yeah,
3: I agree. with I What about <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> well, you're
2: okay. wrong, and, go and, and, go and my reasoning it. is: I it depends on the beastmaster, depends on the player if they're using this as a pokemon that just comes out for battle and then goes away and that's all they use it for it's not intelligent
3: yep. again um, the amount of characterization that right. you put into that beast like if it's just like yeah. oh we're getting combat now okay well here's my spirit beast and i'm gonna mount up on him yep. and he knows everything about me i choose, like,
2: I choose right. you wolf and then you jump on that's <laughs> yep. controlled that's not gonna act intelligently or anything like that so that's okay. that would be my only caveat to yep. that
3: I'm if you reactive. if you've named it if you've you know given it its own little backstory and how you found it if it's something that you have been like playing with and and living with for years of course it's going to know how to handle itself in combat with you like That's even right. even and especially if you want to make a character this way then your ranger has personally trained this mm-hmm. mount for combat for mounted combat yeah and it knows it knows at, like with quick commands with quick you know, gestures and words, what it's supposed to do. Um, There's a really cool scene, and this is the second time I'm bringing up, and last time I'm bringing up Warcraft uh, in this (laughs) episode, but there's a scene in the Warcraft movie where one of the wolf riders... For those at home, take a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're up to two now.
1: Um, there's a there's a
3: scene in that movie where one of the wolf riders is uh, running away from a couple mounted knights, and he slides off of his wolf and gives a couple quick gestures, and the wolf immediately takes around to do a flanking position. And it's an absolutely cool scene, and it's exactly what you want when you're running a ranger. That is the exact right. type of communication that you want
0: with your intelligent creature. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So so nobody is tying. Uh, uh, like an actual intelligence score to to this question i think it's james discretion
1: yeah i think it's james discretion but like if it i think as for me if i was to draw a line in the sand it would be it needs to be able to understand you in some form or fashion if it doesn't speak your language if it can't see you if it can't hear you if it can't like i can't have a rock be a mount Um, so you so you can unless it's a golem these these
3: babies used to go carry everybody all across the plains (laughs) so So what about
0: my line in the sand what about a war horse that's specifically a war horse that's been trained for battle in war hence the name war horse as opposed to as opposed to you know just regular (laughs) normal mr ed horse
3: Yep. So I would say yes, that does count as an intelligent enough creature that it can act on its own in combat and often will. It's it's a roach, it's not just, you know, a random horse. It's it's uh, it's your shadowfax, yeah. it's your uh, whatever sure. dog goes horse sure. name, you know, um it's Brego. Uh <laughs> but at the same time I think that the difference is, is that a beastmaster finds an animal companion and trains with them mm-hmm. and a warhorse is something you buy. So if right. you're going to give a warhorse an intelligence and have it act intelligently, well that's something that's going to cost a little extra as far as gold goes to the sure. okay. player. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. even like and maybe not in the cost in the sense of gold, but it could also be the cost of you bought this horse and it's going to be a couple of of sessions of just like you trying to get used to it and like having Mm -hmm. that evolve because i i really i heavily believe that when you start from like level one if you've had this warhorse since like level one and you get to level 20 i'm gonna let a lot more stuff slide at level 20 than level one yeah just just be for the simple fact that you've been together and you've gotten used to the cadence of the fights and how you work and Okay. As a DM,
3: I love progression-based uh, like skill checks, so it's like, okay, well, you want to train this horse to be a war horse that can act intelligently and on its own? Well, great. Here's a 500 progression bar that you need, and you can roll an animal handling check during your downtime to increase it by the amount that you get. Kind of thing. I've done this before with your with the group and everything on yep. on making items and research and stuff. And I think it's a great way for somebody to be like, "Oh yeah, this is a great thing to do with my downtime." And then you get that scene where it's like, "Okay, what do you do?" Well, I, I go out and I run maneuvers with you know good old uh, cheesy bits or whatever yeah. you <laughs> want to call your horse.
1: Well, now that, that would allow you to get you know the the She's farmer's Clydesdale that that looks mm-hmm. like it's largely you know being. Um, like it's, it's uses it's are being plow wasted, horse. so to speak. It's a plow yeah. horse Yep. and then you train it and become familiar. And yeah, it gives that, those kind of opportunities or then not everybody can afford those big expensive horses right out the gate, you know, just putting it out there, battle donkey, battle donkey, yeah. <laughs> battle donkey.
0: I mean, I like that because it, it also, cleats. it yeah, also kind of gives you like a sense of progression, another sort of thing for your character to feel like, Hey, well, like mm-hmm. I'm growing and mm-hmm. also create like some great story and RP moments um you know yeah, and helps, then it's all the sweeter when your dm kills that horse and then oh. everybody
3: everybody it's like oh the swamp of so sorrows cool.
0: oh no <laughs> and then the cleric refuses to to burn their last <laughs> spell slot on resurrecting the horse yep mm, so mean i think raise
3: dead is a ritual that cleric's just evil
1: so yeah <laughs> need find creature then glue can ride again <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so moving on to next question um Would you allow your character, okay, so we've established that there's the controlled version of the mount, which is basically extra movement, speed, and options um, for you, and then there's the independent version of the mount. Assuming that you have a creature that's intelligent enough to act independently, would you allow your player to control said creature, or would you as the DM take full control of it and and if it's it's sometimes one and sometimes another under what circumstances would it be sometimes one and sometimes the other we'll start with uh mr Dodgers. yeah go
2: I, th- I think it's a hybrid i think it depends on the situation and uh kind of going back to what we were saying earlier maybe it's like your first or second time with this creature and so maybe it the dm is going to take control just to throw in that randomness that the player is not going to be able to predict exactly what's going to happen, um, and maybe there's maybe dice rolls fully involved.
0: trained yet, or something. Right.
2: Kind maybe of- there's dice rolls involved, or maybe it's just the DM kind of wants to take a, a story beat and say this is the first time you've ridden into battle, and he's going to veer left when you think he's veering right, and he's going to pluck you off mm-hmm. or something. I don't. Okay. I don't know, but I think I think as you progress with the the mount, then I would slowly give control over to the player and then eventually just let them kind of handle that.
0: Okay. What do you guys think? Preston,
1: you want to go? Okay. Yeah. I guess for, for, um, I think I I would probably rule in that same looking at rules as written. Um, I think that, that taking the animal, depending on, you know, what their familiarity is, what they're trying to do. Like, so like, let's say I take a, a draft horse, and i walk into battle and i jump off and i expect that draft horse to fight with me mm-hmm. i mean that horse now or you or
0: like, you stay on it on its back
1: yeah but Or you let you go of the, the reins,
0: reins right and, and right. you're fighting
1: yeah and it could be and for me that that's when i would start to draw the line of okay this 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 creature has gone from a asset to a liability where it could trample like if it's trying to run away i need someone to make a deck save because you might get you know smashed or because if you've ever been around a real horse when it's scared or when it's winning and it's like trying to get away from a snake on the ground or whatever, it's not a fun experience and it's it's pretty dangerous so um I think just depending on you know what if you're fighting a i don't know a thug in a back alley that's going to be different than, okay, you're, you're coming up against a Hydra or, you know, like some kind of rock elemental during the middle of a a storm. At that point, I might say, Hey, uh, I'll probably just because there's so many things as a DM, you have to roll and keep track of anyway. I'll probably say, Hey, character or like player character, you make the decision, but what's going to happen is if you try and say, Hey, horse, run over there. Okay. Um, are they familiar? Or are they not? Make an animal handling check. You know the DC's 10 or something simple for simple commands. Versus, I want you to zigzag left, right, and then make a, you know, right bank turn and backflip at the end. You're gonna have a lot. Of, it's gonna have a <laughs> sliding horse. because like, you never know what a character's gonna okay. go through. But yeah. I still want to put it in the character's hands so that they can have some say in it. But at but the you end, you might of the
0: day, make them. You might make them roll. Yeah, if, if they wanna. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, okay. they, they attack, and at that point, the horse gets scared. They're going to have him roll a deck save because the horse is reared up on its hind legs, and he's still trying to swing, so he might fall off. I don't know. Kind it. Yeah, and again, that depends on training, right? Like, is
3: mm-hmm. this is this a mount that you are working with specifically because you want to be a mounted combatant, or is it just everybody's on a horse because we're traveling right now? If it's, mm-hmm. if it's everybody's on a horse because we're traveling, then if you let that horse what it wants it's probably going to run away that's the reason why you have reins to wheel in a horse is because they will try to act on their instinct and usually that instinct is flee they don't really have too big of a flight response or a fight response um however uh i i I like dalens where it's kind of like it kind of depends on each situation how well trained they are and again it's how much character the player has put personally into this like if the Mm character if the the player has been like, oh, this is my this is my horse that I've had ever since I was five and he's my best friend and everything, then yeah, I'm gonna let him play the horse. It, it, that's like uh that's like <laughs> letting somebody not play their familiar. I don't I don't like right. taking control of the familiar unless I absolutely have to, right? Yeah. I'll let you I'll let the familiar do what they want. And then if they get into a position where the familiar is on its own and it's like, what is it? see or something like that, then I'll take over to the familiar. Right. But if it's something like a dragon, if it's an intelligent creature like a dragon, no, I'm not going to let you play that dragon. <laughs> right. No, I'm not going to let you play what? the NPC that uh, you know the rocks that you got. You know, if if I find them more intelligent right. than than beasts and rock. you want them to have control, like yeah, right. they are going to <laughs> they are going to take control and do what they normally do. And that yeah. again, it comes down to training for me. Like okay. you, you have to have a training training in order to do something.
0: Okay. Um, next question. So. We've, we've kind of established, I think we're all on the same page, that, that as long as they meet the aforementioned requirements to, to what qualifies as a mount, um, a beast master could theoretically ride into combat on their, their, their animal companion, their beast companion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Under, under what circumstances, if any, would you not allow a Beastmaster to to use its companion as a mount, size. other than what we've kind of talked about. Okay, size. For me, so, size. Obviously,
3: anything anything in raw that wouldn't allow it to be a mount in the first okay. place, that would be... So if it's the same size as you,
0: no, mm-hmm. it has to be yep. bigger. Um, what? The other
2: thing would be environment. Like, you can't ride this beast in the sewer. Like, it's too small. You can't, okay. in a sure. tight alleyway, it's not going to work. Maybe, like, yeah. out on an open field, maybe... I don't know. I mean, it just depends. A,
3: a halfling with a mastiff can fit in an alleyway on top of one well, on top of the sure.
0: But yeah. maybe not if it's in a if I don't it's know, something like a, really a, tight yeah. where you'd normally yeah. be crawling or something exactly. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you're, size you're in, a, in a yeah. dungeon that's
2: like the walls are really narrow, there's not a lot of space. The barbarians are already hunching through there. Yeah, yeah you're not going to be on your one, on your mount.
1: And if, and I think the other part of that would be uh, if I did allow them to do it, let's say you're out in the middle of a rainstorm, you're fighting, and you decide to climb on the back of your bear. Holding on to a slippery, you know, like fur on the bear might, might work better in some situations. But if they're like a, a battle cat with, you know, think He Man with the little saddle on its back or something, um, it, yeah i think it just it changes by situation just depending on you know um where the player is what's going on does it makes does it physically make sense that it would happen and if so sure go for it like
3: so i want to i want to add something here because that is the biggest issue that i i know most dms probably will have with mounted combat is Well, I'm going to I'm going to put them in dungeons and then one of my players is going to be weaker because they are they're unable to mount yeah you know you can't be on a horse in a dungeon. Or in this tiny hall and as a DM it's your job to make sure your players are all getting things out of the game right If, if one of your characters is going to be mounted or they want to be mounted for most combats time to make a lot more open world combats you know your dungeons might have to end up being runes on top of the ground instead Mm -hmm. and if there is a lot of if it's if it's not a homebrew and there's a lot of uh, dungeons in this adventure then your player says i want to make a cavalier i want to make a a mounted Mm -hmm. one and say and then you explain this this adventure is not going to be Completely above ground and completely in open fields where you'll be able to use your mount. Are you okay with that? Right. And yeah. It's, again, the, you know, it's I mean, the
2: social contract. Uh, yeah. Contracts yeah. side of it, right? Like, oh, like yeah. this should all be discussed before you play. Like, hey guys, we're doing a homebrew and it's mostly going to be subterranean. So you can pick to be a mount, you know, to ride a mount if you want, but mm-hmm. it's right. you're going to be able to disadvantage. You might want or, to
0: save that for, for right next next adventure you or you perhaps it's a case. Small and creature. ride not
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so or that's be, what I was yeah. gonna say. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or be a small feature and write a medium sized mount yep. as opposed to that cavalier, you know, a bugbear on a cavalier idea that right. you have. I would
3: yeah. I would allow I would allow mounted combat in most uh dungeon areas if it were like a halfling on a mastiff. I think yeah. that's completely right. acceptable. It's just when you get into oh, I want to have this giant war steed and I'm a you know, I'm a plate wearing mm-hmm. paladin, it's like, well, guess what? This cave is only ten feet high. Mm-hmm your helmet is going to be scraping along the top of it for most of this. So they either suffer really bad stealth or yeah, you give (laughs) them penalties, you give them, yeah. But again, you don't want to make it that you're just targeting one character right mm-hmm. you want to give that you want to give that cavalier a time to, ch- to shine if you are going to and they're going to accept oh, yeah. the rules
0: well and and maybe you know maybe through most of the dungeon it's that way but inevitably you get into some big chamber room right some yeah. big mm-hmm. cavern inside the dungeon and it's like oh hey now is my time to shine i summon my I mean, maybe you've been trailing your warhorse, you know, behind you. It's just been kind of walking along, or, mm. or fine steed, paladin. You know, okay, great. I summon my steed, and now I can actually have room to maneuver and cool. I, I think you
3: have to have a magical steed of some kind or a magical a magical yeah. saddle of some kind yeah. if you're going to do that in the dungeon. Otherwise,
2: you got to say goodbye to build a pony. You yeah, can't come like, with <laughs> you to the mines of
3: Moria. Yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> Bill.
1: <laughs> and
2: when kind of, I know that there's there. It's kind of.
1: Um, it can be polarizing, but like in Critical Role, there was one kind of instance of that where they had an amulet that they basically used like a Pokeball. It had its own little pocket dimension that everywhere they went they would give this this beast master um they would give her a lot of crap basically saying hey you know how's the bear gonna fit in there what's gonna happen blah 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 so uh she ended up you know the dm gave her this item that she could basically put the bear in there or like you know provide something like that to your players because if it is a cavalier and that is their like prized horse it's not likely that they're gonna want to say okay there's a castle in the sky We're cast flying everybody and you're gonna leave your horse behind yeah. like you I call them, them the capture crystals. Too, or, yeah, capture crystals <laughs> or pokeballs or whatever yeah. makes sense. But um get you know, provide a mechanic for that player because sure. it's fine if you know it's the kind of wings. To- yeah, the cavalier doesn't have to <laughs> cast
0: fly spell on it and fly up <laughs> yeah. to the castle. Cool.
1: The cavalier doesn't always have to shine, but in the same th- in that same breath, you know, like provide opportunities. F- you know, if, if they do want to go into cave, like don't penalize them completely for it, but give them. Sure. Right? Yeah, give them to be
3: honest, if if I had a party and they were like, oh, we all want to fly up to this castle in the sky. Uh, but I only have enough fly spells for everybody but the ranger's beast companion. I'd be like the ranger's beast companion is part of the ranger. Just yeah.
1: you, you just yeah. share. You the cast spell it between. on the on the beast. They climb on the back and it <laughs> flies. Yep, just <laughs> that's, piggybacks them up.
3: There is there is no there is no reason other than being a a super stickler rules lawyer DM for you not to do that. Yeah. And I mean, there are some games where that's fun. There's sometimes where it's like, no, you have to work around the problem and you have to be yep. creative in this situation. But most of the time. It's it's sort of like I mean it it is literally like leaving your favorite pet behind while you go off on an adventure and just watching it from the window as it, as you drive <laughs> away and it's just it's heart wrenching and I don't want to do it to my players.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's what about this though? It's still on the you know under what circumstances can can beastmasters not uh, use their companion as a mount? What if it can, what if, what if that companion can fly? What if it meets all other requirements? And the only one I think that would work, but I see this, I've probably seen this five or six times at least in my comments. Um, You take a small creature, a small player, you know, gnome, halfling, halfling. whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then your pet is, your, your, your companion is a pteranodon because it's medium sized. And, it, and it's the challenge rating. It meets the challenge rating requirement. I think it has to be a one-quarter challenge rating or, or lower. Maybe it's half. But anyway, it meets that requirement. And so technically, I could if I had a pet pteranodon, I could mount it, and now I have a flying mount. Um.
2: Now it becomes yes a no. question of, is a, <clears throat> is a pteranodon in your world, right? right. Like maybe, maybe in you're Chult? In Chult? Hmm, yeah. Sure. yeah.
0: But in- so if you're playing Tomb of Annihilation yes Given otherwise all,
3: no. <laughs> all other like things being equal and yes you can have a tyrannodon or a rock or whatever you know kind of thing you can have a medium-sized flying creature um it, it's up to you as a GM to decide is this going to break my game or is it not am I going to have situations where a flying uh, somebody that can fly is uh, super valuable and if so what at what level do I want that and then maybe you say well your pterodon can't actually carry a full person's weight for that long you know they pick up they pick up prey that's like 20 pounds or something like that and they bring it back to their nest but you're you're a full-size gnome like you're you're like what are they like 80 60 or 80 pounds or something like that with equipment you know like that's gonna be a little hard for it to do it's going to have to build up its strength and again training through uh, some sort of research is really cool or you can just set a level what and level do what do level do druids get to fly right same yeah. level when do you get the fly spell yeah. yeah oh yeah exactly like when when the when the wizard would be able to get the fly spell first or when uh, a druid for, would first be able to do a shapeshift and be able to fly um i know dragon sorcerers are like level 14 but that's a, a weird you know out there example yeah, yeah. Um, I think the fly spell comes around like eight or so. I think you guys had the fly spell around eight. It's
0: a so. it's a third level spell, so fifth level.
3: So fifth level, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: and that's fine. You know, fifth level, you're supposed to have a good bump. You know, yeah. fifth level, your pterodon has been tra- You know, weight training or whatever it is. Well, <laughs> yeah. It hasn't skipped wing day at all. <laughs> it's able. It's finally able to carry you on its back. And and again, it comes down to training because the pterodon isn't going to know how to fly with somebody on its back with a mounted harness sure. at first. That's going to require work. And that's just something that you as a DM have to have to limit for your players. But I don't think that that's a problem because there's so many other ways to fly and flying flying doesn't usually break any any game unless there's a specific thing where it's like, oh, you need to cross this chasm kind of thing. And even then it's like, you're never going to let one of your players just fall to their death in a chasm. So let's just, you know, kind of make it a little
0: (laughs)
1: easy. You can have buffeting winds and other things. Yeah, sure.
0: Sure. Introduce lots of other, lots, you know, every, every enemy now ha, is like a ranged attacker.
3: Yes. Because otherwise. And yeah. You'd add, you'd add ranged attackers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And But that's, that's kind of cool to have one of your party members just go up into range and start picking people off, and, and you have a few combats where that r- works really well. And they're just they're just literally firing arrow after arrow on this pterodon and then all of a sudden, like the third combat that you get in against the dragon cultists, and you hear this screech, and this wyvern comes out of the clouds with a yeah. with a rider on it or something, and it's like, oh, now they're prepared for us. Now we have to actually worry Sky about battles. And, and and at that point, you've got one wyvern that's specifically targeting your only flyer. Like then it gets a little. Harrowing, and then that flyer has to come down to ground and actually be a part of the combat. Okay,
0: keeping it moving. Um, Please. <laughs> so, so we we're 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 staying with the beastmaster. So, um, here here's here's kind of my 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 biggest question, I think, really, for the day. Um, if 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 the beastmaster then is using their bestial companion as a mount does it operate as a mount as per sort of everything we've been talking about as, you know, whether or not it's controlled or is it independent, et cetera, or does it operate as a beast master's companion, right? And all of the rules that pertain to being a beast master and having a companion you know before tasha's it was when you get extra attack uh, at fifth level then on your turn you can make one attack and your beast can make one attack post tasha's it's as a bonus action you can command your primal beast um, if you take the primal beast to make an attack on its turn right uh, and 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 therefore you just simply are on a vehicle but otherwise operating essentially the same as any other beastmaster or once you get on your companion and start using it as a mount does it then do do the rules for mounted combat then apply and all of the sort of beastmaster rules are thrown out the window because most like guides that i've read about people who want to do this and they say hey check out my awesome guide about you know i'm a beast i'm a small beast master and i'm and i'm using you know mounted combat and i'm dual wielding lances blah 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 they talk about like okay and then your beast gets to make an attack you know and all this stuff and i'm kind of thinking i feel like if it's if it's a mount it's a mount and it's no longer sort of operating under the the beast master rules right um but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you guys disagree. So what do you think?
2: It's tough because you never wanna hurt the Beastmaster class because it's already they're kind so of weak. weak. <laughs> so, so you so don't want to step they're on them. A better, they're in a better place. Watch my Beastmaster <laughs> two Yeah, video. exactly. <laughs> you know, shows, they're it's better than they used better. to be. But anyway. you you like you don't wanna step on them, but it doesn't make sense to let it be, in my opinion, to be uh act as a beastmaster's companion if you're riding it. It's kind of like imagine being in a boxing match and then have someone someone on your back, like it's gonna be really hard to throw those punches or whatever. So I think it would just become a mount. And so I think it's the players they need to decide do I want a mount or do I want my beastmaster companion? That's kind of how I would rule it. Maybe if there's some magic items that make you weightless or something, I don't know. It, work with your DM, I guess. But sure. I I think. I would rule that it has to be either a mount or your companion can't be both.
0: Okay.
1: At the, at least in the same turn. Yeah. I feel like the kind of the same right. thing as soon as you, as soon as you occupy and you're now your, your movement and their movement needs to be synchronized enough that you're, they're being used as a mount. I think the mount rules need to take effect because re- reason being is that if um the same thing as the, with the boxing match thing, If if you're sitting on the back of a bear and the bear stands up to try and swipe something and you're on a saddle, like, either you're going to get thrown off or you're going to have disadvantage on the attacks like no questions asked um and so like if you want them to operate as amount operate as amount and for me i'd say you know hey if you want you want to make an attack and let them make an attack roll it because you know if you if you fail that dexterity check or you fail whatever like you're going to fall off the bear you're going to you're that the bear might connect but you're going to end up on the ground prone and then people are going to be able to kind of like Kind of, um, I guess, pile sure. in on you and do that okay. kind of dogpile effect. But so. how cool
3: would it be to have your bear <laughs> rear up to attack? You lean back in the saddle and double slice the creature, the enemy behind you, while it's totally. swiping forward. Like that again, it kind of comes down to the risk rule could of cool. Be for the reward, yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, I, I I agree that the blow is valid, but I also say that if you're going to be a beastmaster's, uh, and you specifically only want to be doing mounted combat, then you go with. What Preston and Dallin have said so far. Preston, what Preston and Mr. Rogers have said so far. <laughs> um, we, But if you're going to be one of those Beastmaster Rangers that's like, I want to use my mount to get in quicker because I'm a short person and and then i want to like Pop slide off, off all of okay. the you yeah. know the war rider in warcraft up that mm-hmm. big shot um uh, <laughs> I, I thought i wouldn't but i did um <laughs> then, three, then you get into the get point you three of, you
2: got to finish it <laughs>
3: yep, then you get into the point of okay you're just using the mount to get to where you need to go and then you're off and then it's its own companion personally yep personally i don't find anything wrong with you being able to command your beast to attack and then have it attack on its turn as well i know that increases the damage output and i know that there are some gms that would uh, kind of rail against that but at the same time just add a couple extra goblins you know right. who cares if they're going right. to be able the the more that they do the more that you do
0: okay true sure. so so uh, pivoting slightly there like what if um what, I mean, regardless of whether, you know, you go with sort of Mr. Rogers interpretation or, 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 or Corey's, what if um, I use my companion as a mount, but then decided to let decide to let it operate independently. So meaning that I would get, um, okay, creating a hypothetical here, I'm a level five ranger, I'm a melee ranger. Okay, and I have two weapon fighting, so I've got a short sword in each hand. I go into combat, and and I have extra attack because I'm level five, so I get to make one attack, I get to make a second attack, and then I'm not using any of my actions or bonus actions to command my mount. It is a mount, but it's operating independently, um, and it's intelligent, and I've been training with it, therefore, Right after my turn, or whenever it's in, whenever it rolled its initiative, if we're going with those rules, um, I think it's right after your turn because
3: the ranger's companion says it takes its turn right after yours. I would say that it takes its turn right okay. after. Okay,
0: so so at that point, then we're saying the the ranger's companion gets to make an attack as well. Yep, and, and probably at my direction. Yep. You can, you can give it a command. You can, you can
3: have it target somebody if you want, you can, you know, however you've trained it. But I think that again, we're talking about a beast that you've worked with yep. so much that it knows what to do and it's not going to take actions that it wouldn't normally take. Right. A beast, sure. a beast master ranger doesn't bring his companion into battle and then have that Panther uh, run away scared after the first thing hits it. Right. That's not what a, that's not what a companion does. They, mm. they fight with you. So it is also going to fight even if you are mounted on its back.
2: Right. Yeah, I would say maybe it doesn't attack the creature that you wanted to, but it wouldn't do something that's going to hurt you. Right. Sure. Like it's, it's intelligent. Yeah. It's going to do what it thinks is best. It might not be exactly what you wanted it to do, but it's not going to run away or attack yeah. an ally or anything like that. <laughs> it, you might say, you know, go attack that guy. And then it looks to its right. And there's yeah. somebody right there and goes, no, I'm taking this guy instead. Yeah. or maybe it starts ripping a guy apart. Instead, and said, you're like, what are you doing? Go detect that guy. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to yeah. hurt you, but it it might, take its own you know it's and then intelligent at
3: that mm-hmm. point i would in- introduce an animal handling check if, exactly. if it's ripping something apart and you don't want it to anymore then you have to try and reel it back in and take control of the beast right. um this it, is where i think it. make sorry go on
2: oh i was gonna say this is where I, w- the reason i make that distinction is because i think the fine steed needs to be separate enough from the beast companion and having that like telepathic bond we'll
0: get into that momentarily Separate set.
2: yeah so maybe <laughs> yeah. so maybe that's what yeah, the yeah the
1: mode the mode and clarity of communication i think is I, important. i
2: don't want those to be on my table to be your beast master companion and your fine steed are the same exact like the yeah. different mechanics yeah. slightly yeah
3: also uh it makes a great moment where your beast companion decides that it doesn't want to see you hurt anymore and it runs away with you on its back even though you don't want it to mm-hmm. and then you yeah. can do a lot of good character moments that way um but I don't think that you can get that kind of same thing with Fine Steve. Yeah. Exactly.
0: No cheesy bits. No turn <laughs> no, around. Geez. Come on, cheesy bits. <laughs> it's like, but you are one hit. What kind of what time. kind of animal is Cheesy Bits?
3: Uh, cheesy Bits is my battle donkey. Thank you very much. <laughs> mm. If it was cheesy uh, bits choice.
0: for me, it would be a, a battle cow. Next episode, we're going to learn about the backstory to Cheesy Bits. Okay, so let me let me let me phrase this question a different way. W- despite what you might allow at your table what's your interpretation of rules as written regards re- regarding a beastmaster master writing their bestial companion into combat and the reason that i ask that is because if if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do a a build for mounted combat whether it's a beastmaster master or paladin a cavalier whatever i feel like i i kind of have to um I have to just sort of go as rules as written, right? And then other people, you know, you can work it out with your DM if you want to do yeah. something differently. But I think rules as written, it says X. So what do you think the rules as written intent? Rules as written intention. I, uh, what do you think the rules as written stay state no. about a beastmaster small small sized beastmaster companion wants to ride their companion into uh, combat? Is it is it a controlled mount? Can it operate independently? Um, You know, does it function as a mount or does it function as a Beastmaster's companion that I just happen to be sitting on top of? I'd say based
1: on, for for me, my my interpretation of of Raw is that you're with the in the dmg when it talks about if there's rules and there's more specific rules those more specific rules take precedent. Mm-hmm. And in this case you have a generic rule that's you know your beastmaster rules right? Mm-hmm. But now you're taking it into a specialized niche which that to me drifts into mounted combat and mounted combat takes precedence.
3: Okay. I I actually disagree. Well, so I say if you mount it it's a mount. Okay. And you decide you decide from then on whether it's controlled or intelligent and yeah. that's up to your dm. To whether or not it's intelligent enough that it can control itself, or if it's a or if it's a beast that like uh, if you're going to run this and if you're going to create a specific optimized for it, you run it as if the mount is a controlled mount. Okay. I think that's all. That's all you can do. I agree because otherwise, otherwise you get into too many what if scenarios sure. and then it becomes too confusing.
0: Yep. Yeah. So 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 we're so we're saying here, um, it basically is a glorified vehicle. That, yes. That. However,
3: the Beastmaster, the new Beastmaster rules, they say that as a bonus action, you can command your beast to attack.
0: Is that correct? Yes. If you take the Primal Companion, it's so if so it's only it's companion. only the Primal Companion. And by the way, the Primal Companion can be air, land, or sea, but the air is small, so is a, you couldn't a... you couldn't ride it. Um, the, but the land Primal is medium size so if you were a gnome yeah. you could conceivably get on it and then and yes it's, it's not a, a bonus action to make it attack it's a physical animal too it's not like a ghost or a transparent yes. animal yes i mean you do sort of summon it but it, it's it kind of like seems, a for all intents and villain. purposes to yeah. be corporeal and have a physical okay. form yeah. yeah then then in,
3: in that case if you're on your mount and you use your bonus action to have your pack you you know your beast companion attack it will attack whether or not you are mounted or not that that is Hmm. your that is your beast master trait and i think that the class overrides the general rule there as preston said the the more the more
0: complex rule overrides the uh the more the simpler base rule and and what's funny about that is that I've, i've i was reading on some forum last night i don't even remember what it was but but they made your exact argument preston but but in reverse they were like inverted. dmg says the more specific overrides the more general so the general is mounted combat and the mm-hmm. more specific is yeah. the Beastmaster yep. rules and, and, and i think and that you does were, come
1: down to interpretations so. yeah
0: i mean it's hard to like it, you know th- there's nothing in either of them that say for the record this is a general rule for the yeah, record this I, is a specific rule yeah, i, I mean, would
3: say that any rule in the phb that is uh, outside of a specific class is a general rule, and I any agree. class is a more specific rule set, okay. and changes the game. Okay, that
0: makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Rogers, agree? Disagree? Yeah, I I think you can
2: interpret it either way. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I guess there's and really nothing to add. No I mean, Switzerland. It depends on your it depends on your <laughs> table. But I I would say once you pick how you're going to rule it, just rule it consistently because so you're not pissing them, off yeah. your players. Just okay. make it like, okay, I'm going to let you do it. And yeah, you're going to get more damage per round, but like, I'll just, like you said, throw some more goblins in there. Who cares? Whatever.
1: Yep.
3: Yeah, sure.
2: Error on the side of just leniency and letting players sure. have, and there's have a some awesome why, moments. There's a reason why
3: the mounted combat rules are so vague. And it's because. It's because they want the GMs to make their rulings on how that works. And they want to make it vague enough that if you're using it just in one combat, you know, it's just there, it's simple and easy to handle. But if it's going to be something consistent, then that's something that you have to work with your GM. Right. Yeah. So, uh point of order i want to request now a pokemon master build where you are <laughs> a you are a beastmaster ranger specific and you are using the rules as written for the original Beastmaster, and then you give yourself other stats in order to buff your beast companion rather than you and make it do all your attacking for you yeah. that is that is now a, my request a, that a i want
0: wisdom to see. based or uh, even a menagerie cleric, yeah cleric. A a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, you know, time. somebody who can summon additional companions and things sure. like
1: that. So.
0: I, I have done two full episodes on a Beastmaster already, and and if I do a mounted, <laughs> com- mounted combatant, it might be a Beastmaster one, I haven't decided <laughs> that yet cool uh, so there's like too many beastmasters. um maybe i'll maybe i'll do a cavalier instead throw, and say, throw it everyone down.
2: loves it and personally i like have a hard time seeing why but like hey you do you it's yeah. awesome to have the animal i guess but like ah uh, it's just it's headache yeah. for everybody
3: <laughs> call it yeah. call it the buff master and throw it down underneath the uh, Centaur Lancer that I actually requested. <laughs> I'll bring it up every episode until I see it.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll, put it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I tell everybody else that makes requests. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> um, growing list. Last question. My goodness, we've gone long, but that's okay. Um, getting away from Beastmasters, finally. Uh, and into the Find Steed spell. And by, uh, by association, the find greater steed. Um, so I've got a couple of questions. Um, I think I probably know, based on how the conversation's gone thus far, what you guys are going to re- answer, but um, let's just make sure. So here, here, here is the language for the find steed spell. You summon a spirit that assumes the form of un- an unusually intelligent, I think that's important, strong And loyal, also important, steed, creating a long-lasting bond with it. Its intelligence becomes six. It gains the ability to understand one language of your choice that you speak. Your steed serves you as a mount, both in combat and out, and you have an instinctive bond with it that allows you to fight as a seamless unit. You can communicate with each other telepathically. So, two questions. Question number one. Is the steed considered intelligent for purposes of mounted combat like this is controlled this is intelligent is this is is this steed intelligent in our yes
1: if it can understand language and you can communicate with it like other than just like you know you, you give a, a horse a carrot kind of a you know like you're leading it along kind of thing i think yes okay definitely Corey, what do you think yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, so I, I think that the, the steed is intelligent. Um, one thing that I do want to point out, though, uh, because I did not know there was a Fine Greater Steed, so I was just reading through that, uh, and it says you control the mount in combat, which mm-hmm. means you are using a controlled mount. So um, while it may be intelligent, Fine Greater Steed at least says that you control the mount in combat. Yeah. Okay. So that could, be, that could be an interpretation of that rule, right?
0: Sure, there. sure. Um, yeah, I mean, well, okay, so that's question one. Everybody agrees it's intelligent. Here's where we get a little shades of gray potentially. So assuming it's intelligent, again, does the paladin control it in combat or, or do you as the DM decide what it does? So, so obviously you could say, okay, this is going to be a controlled mount and it's going to essentially operate as a, as a glorified vehicle. Right? And give me greater movement and ability to potentially disengage or dash, et cetera. Or I say, um, all right, cheesy bits. <laughs> <laughs> I, we got. I, I got to get a different name. Cheesy bits was is it's, something else. Um, anyway, now every mount is going to be cheesy bits from here on. <laughs> cheesy bits. Um, you know, you are you are an intelligent beast, and therefore you can operate independently um let's go fight that guy do you as a dm let the paladin sort of say yeah we're gonna ride into battle and you know this he takes the form of a warhorse so a warhorse does whatever like 2d6 of damage i think so i'm gonna take my turns and then my steed gets their turn to make an attack um or, or I guess something else. You know, maybe independent. But, but you as the DM are going to take control of it, and maybe it'll run away, or maybe it will fight. But maybe it'll fight someone I don't want it to fight, or whatever. Rules
3: is written, you control the horse. It is just a controlled mount that gives you extra speed. Um, if anybody, if there were any paladin that wants to take it just because they want the extra damage, no, you take a different spell that provides extra damage. Uh, fine seed is specifically so that you can have a mount. Um, however, if you are playing a paladin that wants to be a mounted knight, then you work with your DM and your DM can destroy rules as written and say, yes, it's intelligent enough that it and it's basically designed to be a war steed for you. It will be able yeah. to make attacks and help you in combat. I think,
1: yeah, I think the important distinction there too is in that spell, it does define that uh, it serves you in and out of combat. You have an instinctive bond that you fight as a seamless unit. And so to me, um you know even if if you you can control it if you're in the reins and you're pulling the reins you're making that communication i'd consider that you know you let go of the reins it's intelligent enough that you can make that telepathic communication with it and whether or not you know it's it's afraid of the dragon or it's going to help you continue to stampede the the goblins i think
0: it's situational okay Mm -hmm. what do you think mr
2: i i kind of disagree so i think Mm -hmm. because it's intelligent it sh- an intelligent creature can decide if it's going to be controlled or if it's going to be intelligent and take its own action. And so I think this would be the player's decision uh, at my table, at least I would say, okay, are you going to be controlling the Mount or is the Mount going to have its own turn? And I think because you have that telepathic bond, you can instantly, you know, you summon it and you say, Hey, like, let me take control for a minute or go ahead and do what you want to do. I, at my table, I would let the player, decide whether they want to control it or not. And the the trade-off is when you're controlling it, you're getting the extra movement and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. When you're not controlling it, it's got a different initiative order. And so now your movements are kind of disjointed and it might right. not get you
0: to yeah. the place that's you want to attack maybe a or potential, whatever. Potential a potential trade-off. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly.
2: <clears throat> and so I I kind of err on the side of I'd rather have my players if they're doing it because they want to have this awesome moment where the horse is up and kick somebody or whatever, then yeah. yeah, I'm going to let them do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think be only on this spell would I say, yes, you decide. Because it's intelligent. It's got this telepathic bond. It's right, loyal. If I
0: mm-hmm. so, so, a
2: seamless unit, it's yours to, yeah. to make this call.
0: And this, so the interpretation then, when it says, to to, to Corey's point, when it says um, you control them out in combat, you don't read that as saying, this is a controlled mount in combat. It's just saying you get to decide what to do with it. You're at the Yeah.
2: I mean, it's, this is so open to interpretation, but yes, that's kind of how I read it. And I know and probably the minority on that,
0: but <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, well, for whatever it's worth, uh, based on all of the searches and reading that I've done, I don't know that you are the minority there. Maybe I'm just reading the wrong sources. <laughs> um, but you know yeah, um,
3: but you should never you should never take what we say and point to your dm and go exactly. but gnd optimize said this and here's the video <laughs> proof because yeah. your yeah. dm don't be that player. Is the Star rule champions. of law. Right. Right. They, yep. they get to decide on that. And if they think that you're doing this just because you want to cheese out an extra 2d6 damage every sure. round and they don't want you to cheese out a 2d6 damage, well, guess what? You're only going to be able to get, oh my gosh, only 80 feet of movement a turn. That's so terrible. Or 120 mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. Like, just be grateful that you're getting the movement speed in that case right at the, at sure. the end of the
2: day like what is an extra 2d6 per round like it's yeah. not that much it's, it's an extra goblin is, or it's two. seven okay. damage <laughs> specifically I, I think for me the part average.
1: that i get sensitive on these on these particular spells is like because at this point you have a level two steed, uh, you have this fine steed right and if you as a beast master let's say you chose a horse that's if we're going to like apples to apples um what i don't want to do is bastardize either one i want the the beast master to feel cool and do their thing and have their their specialties and and something that makes them unique and then the paladin has something that makes you know them unique and if that's that telepathic bond with the the, the steed that lets them do a little bit more advanced maneuvers with it great if it makes it so that the beast master can have his bear come up and maul something while he's on the back stabbing at it with a pike great yeah
2: Right. Like rule it's the consistency. Rule? Cool. Make sure you're you're not yeah. punishing yeah. one player for being the beast master, and rewarding exactly. another player for fine steed, or vice versa. Sure. Depending on your table. Make sure it's well, know, why
3: why it's be a beastmaster if your fine steed you can just act as an animal right. companion? Yeah. and yeah. the right, there, right. Exactly.
0: Yep. Right. Except for well, I mean, I think well, I don't want to get into that. Never mind. Um, <laughs> um, what if you what if you summon the steed to maybe to your point, Corey? Um, and decide not to use it as a mount. You can communicate telepathically with it still. Can it? Can it be involved it's not in fine your party? Steed, that's a
3: summon spell. That's a completely different spell, in my opinion. I I feel like if you're going to use fine steed, I'm okay with you mounting it and using it as a mount that acts on its own turn. But if you're just going to summon it and tell it to attack, that's mm-hmm. not that that steed is going to look at you and be like, uh, "You're going to get on." Yeah. What are you going to like? What's going to go on? What's game. going on here? You know, right. and at that right. point, if you start doing that too often, I'm going to start throwing mages with dispel magic at you, and then you're not going to have yeah. a steed at all.
2: See, I, I kind of look at it this way like the the determination between like why Find Steed works the way that it does and why the Beastmaster Companion is the way that it does. If you're on a Find Steed on the Foundstead, I found
1: the town the of Foundstead, found <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the exactly. mounted Foundstead,
2: mm-hmm. when you're on that horse or creature whatever and you let go it's not going to do something that harms you right it might it's gonna you have that telepathic bond it's gonna do what you want it to do it's gonna attack that guy whatever with the beast master companion depending on how you're playing that there's a chance that maybe it does something else like not gonna be anything dumb if you are training it and being good to it but if it's again the pokeball that just comes out to fight then Mm -hmm. Maybe this is why the fine steed Mm -hmm. in that scenario would be better. Yeah, in my opinion
0: all right Um, Okay Uh, Final thoughts. I mean, uh, you know, I I guess any 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 other advice that maybe we haven't covered for players for dungeon masters who? really want to use You know a mounted combat style in their game um, obviously talk it over with your DM DMs, if you have a player that really wants to do this, you know, work with them, maybe alt- make some alterations to your campaign yeah, in order to let them shine a little more often. Or maybe try to dissuade them from doing it in the first place if it's going to mm-hmm. be lots of tight spaces and dungeon crawlery. Um, any other tips, tricks, things to keep in mind, advice? Talk about don't it, <laughs> yeah,
3: talk about it
2: <laughs> talk uh, about Don't be afraid to attack
3: them out. Yeah, talk about it beforehand. But don't be afraid to attack them out.
2: Yeah, be afraid to something. If you're throw the GM, rider from the horse. You know, throw the rider from
3: the horse. Uh, if it's a fine steed, especially, that'll just regenerate back in its spirit realm and come back as yeah. it, you know fully formed again. It's just a don't be slot. afraid. Don't be afraid yeah. to take care well, of that and horse. And
1: tactically, yeah, that that would be what they would do. Is if you came in on a horse, they'd try and cut the horse down yep. so that they
0: Fireball. can get the rider off yep. and kill it. And out. and it makes taking um, a feat like mounted mounted combatant, which lets you. Um, you know, when when a creature attacks your mount, part of that feat is you can force them to attack you instead. It makes that feat cool. Yeah. Right. Um, it keeps it from
1: <clears throat> yeah. It, keep, it keeps because that's the problem with some of those those spells that are very circumstantial. Is if you don't provide an opportunity for the player to be able to use them, then it just becomes useless. Like there's right. no point in right in that player taking that choice. And P- I feel like players often make their choices based on what they feel like would be cool or narratively like it would enhance the experience. And you just don't want to, you don't want to backhand them on that. You want them to feel cool. You want them to feel like it's awesome. Give them those, Cinematic experiences, and just like down, like we've harped on it before, just keep it consistent. Because yep. if it's inconsistent, people will start feeling jaded.
2: and Yeah, I trouble. would say if someone springs it on you in the middle of a campaign, like you weren't expecting for some reason, I don't know why you wouldn't be, but now they're on a mount. Just go with your gut, no. and then you can always talk about it later and make yep. sure you guys After are the on the same page. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Also, go one- with your gut.
3: One rule that I always like to try and stick to as a DM is the Kiss rule: keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because that's easier. It's easier if you're just like, okay, you can like, you're all on mounts, so, but they're all going to be controlled mounts because you you haven't had any training for this, you know, yeah, kind sure. of thing. Or, or you're all on mounts and you get to this cave entrance, well, luckily there's a, there's a convenient stable outside that you can <laughs> store your mounts at for a, a small fee, you know. Like, and a little padlock so nobody exactly. will come steal Yeah, Yeah, you have your own, don't forget to keep your ticket, you know, so that when you get back out <laughs> you can get your horse back. Instead but the same Valley, check. <laughs> like, like
2: there
3: there's so many there's so many little things in D and D that you can do if you really want to be petty about it, like making sure everybody's tracking their food, making sure that yeah. everybody is taking a drink every couple hours so they're not dehydrated and everything. But that's just that's just minutia, and if you want to have a minutiae game, fine.
0: Otherwise, keep it
3: simple. Stupid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like it.
1: Less things to track, more fun you have
0: yep all right well thanks guys that was very long but i but i found it very educational and enlightening hopefully everybody else did too um so yeah thanks for listening everyone love you guys have a fantastic day and stay tuned uh for the next episode next week i i don't know if it's going to be a mounted episode don't get your hopes up it might be it might not we'll find out anyway um okay have a good one take care